0: It's an amazing thing to see God transforming a woman from one degree of likeness into another. She is living from a place not of fear about what the world says she should be like and how she is, to a place of identity in God based on the truth of the Bible that has been given to her as she's been on this course and as she's received prayer and encouragement and the Holy Spirit changing her. Ebba's a a woman who's... uh, in a, a process of transformation. And it's just amazing to see. And uh, ever bringing that song this morning, she's brought one two or three weeks ago. Uh, it's just a beautiful moment because you know that when someone steps out in faith to go for God, knowing there's frailties in the background, but saying, I'm still going to go for my Savior, it's an amazing, wonderful, encouraging thing. And that, I felt that song was really weighty for us. And that's why I wanted to just encourage ever this morning, but also draw us to, uh, our attention to someone who God is transforming. And the reason I wanted to do that is because our message this morning is about being transformed. We're in our Centred series in Oasis Church, and the reason that we're calling it Centred is because we want to be centred on God. Centred on God. We want to know more and more of the love of God. We want to, as we know more and more of the love of God, get his heart of love for people. And the, the, as we get more heart of love for people, we realise that it's great to know God, it's great to love people, and life has greater meaning, purpose, uh, and peace in it, and we, uh, and we suddenly start to realize, man, more and more people need to know about this, more and, more and more people need to know about God, we want to encourage more and more people to become centered on God, that's why we're doing the centered series. And uh, this morning's message is about our minds, it's about transformation of our minds, it's about our minds being renewed, and to some extent it could get a little bit... Well, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, and legalistically follow all these rules and regulations, we'll become more like Jesus and everything will be fine. But it's got to start with a heart of wanting A to be centred on God like Ebba wants to be centered in going on this course, and B being open to God everything God wants to do in us. And that's our heart. It's got to be a heart thing before a mind thing. Because otherwise a mind thing will just be rules and regulations and I can follow the Christian way of life. But God's looking for our hearts. A heart of humility which kneels before his feet and says, here I am. A heart which says, as we sang in the first song, I'm a wretch. We don't often say that today in our normal language, but we were singing that we were wretches before God, that our lives were wretched. Uh, The song Amazing Grace says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the what? A wretch like me. And I I like singing that because often I feel like I am a wretch. Uh, My family often think that I'm a wretch (laughs) as well. It starts... With the heart, (laughs) I'm all right with that. (laughs) I know that I am. It starts with the heart. So as we look at this, the 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 passage of scripture that we're going to look at this morning from Romans, we are going to sort of get a little bit passionate at moments about what we've been transformed from and what we're going to be transformed to, and why we want to be transformed. And then ultimately, we'll 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 look at some ways on how we can be transformed. But I want us to start by thinking: Where's your heart this morning? Where's your heart? Is it humble before God? Do you want to be changed? Do you want to be centred on God? Do you want him to change everything? Because he can. He can do it. And we can pray for people at the end for your life to completely turn upside down today on this Sunday, the 26th of January. Hallelujah, as sometimes people say. (laughs) If you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to Romans chapter 12, uh, and we're going to read just two verses, uh, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is from... Uh, uh, an older version of the NIV. My, my Bible is from 1984, my NIV Bible, uh, and therefore it's apparently less politically correct than the NIV Bible of today. Oh. But I just go with it mostly. I've changed one or two words to make it slightly more politically correct, but this is my version that you're reading on the back behind me. Romans 12:1 and2 says this: "Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies." as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I'm going to read verse 2 again. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. These are verses steeped in encouragement from God, written by the Apostle Paul, who wrote Romans. And he's urging us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. He's pleading with us to have ourselves not conforming to the pattern of this world and he's exhorting us to have our minds renewed. It's encouragement from from Paul. Please offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Give yourself to God. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Please don't do that. There is a pattern. Don't conform to it. But rather, please renew your minds so that you'll be able to except that God's will is pleasing, good, and perfect. What is God's will for your life and what is God's will for my life? People often go around and say, oh, I'm trying to work out what God's will is for me. I don't know what to do next. I don't know which job to go for or which place to live in the country or this or that or the other. That is an element of God's will. But God's will, in a nutshell, is very, very simple. He wants us to be centred on him. He wants us to be centred on him. Because if we're centred on God, everything else, falls, everything else falls out in the wash. Centering on God, we get known by God, loved by God. Our security in God gets rock-solid. You change from fear about what people think of you and how you think of yourself, a little bit like Ebba has been, to a place of I am a son or a daughter of God, when you get centred on God. And that takes away the world's pressure, life's pressure. You don't care what anybody thinks, you don't really care what you do, your life has meaning and purpose and peace, just get centred in on God. And when you get to that point of a sense of security in God then all of a sudden you think, yeah, this is good, I like this, this is, this is peace, this is meaning, this is purpose, and you can agree with God that his will for your life to be centred on him is good, pleasing and perfect. And that's what that verse is basically saying. But there's, a, there's something else in it, of course, that helps us get there, which is the renewing of our minds. Because we have got a mindset that is based on the world's thinking of ourselves and other people, and God wants us to move away from that mindset to a different mindset, his mindset his mindset for us, and his mindset of our identity in him. So we're going to look at these verses this morning, and we're going to ask four questions briefly. Four questions. The first is, what does a transformed mind look like? Second, what are we being transformed from? Third, what are we being transformed to? And then finally, how do our minds become transformed? And the, the final bit gets a little bit practical, and it's part of, a, if you like, a two-part message that I'm bringing this week on Renewed Minds. And in two weeks' time, after Matt Partridge has been, we're going to be looking at uh, centering in on devotion, where we can begin to work some of this stuff out as well. But this week is more about pulling out of us a heart to want to be transformed, to get to a point where we think, ah, there's some things I really want to do in order to affect that transform with God, transformation with God's help. So four questions. What does a transformed mind look like? What do we transform from? What do we transform to? and how our minds transform. Let's start with the first one. What does a transformed mind look like? What does a transformed mind look like? Well, to answer that question, I've got a very simple uh, other question to ask, which is, what does a transformed anything look like? What does a transformed anything look like? So, for example, I'll get nice and easy. What does your garden, if you've got one, look like right now? My My garden looks dead. My garden is full of water. It's sludgy, it's dull, it's horrible. Now, my garden looks like that most of the time, actually, because we're not very good gardeners in the Rosier household. In fact, if you've ever bought us a plant, thank you, but we have killed it. (laughs) If you're going to buy us a gift, it's wine or flowers, please, in the Rosier household. What does a transformed garden look like? It looks like Ground Force from the late 90s and the early 2000s, <laughs> with Charlie Dimmock, Alan Titchmark and Tommy Walsh coming along secretly over a weekend when your wife or husband's away and doing an amazing job of recovery. You come back to this beautiful parkland that is your garden, and that's why most of the UK liked that TV programme because they wanted reformed, transformed gardens. If you don't like gardeners in illustration, how about... Sorry about this, Manchester United. Yeah, you might gasp, but actually, I'm dissing myself for the first time in years. Manchester United are currently in a state of massive transformation, from the Red Army of wonderful footballers winning ch- trophies all over the place to a pale shadow of their former glory, <laughs> floundering out of every cup competition there possibly is. That's transformation in the, in the, wrong, in the wrong way, obviously. Or there's nature. You may have some, maybe some nature lovers here today. I'm sure there are. People like the, uh, the, the nature programmes on TV. Chrysalis this is a classic example, isn't it? Ugly, chrysalis type thing that turns into a beautiful butterfly through a transformation. Or, or a grey, kind of scrawny signet that transforms into a beautiful swan. That's what transformation of anything looked like. And when Paul uses the uh, verse here, be transformed by the renewing of the, mu- of the mind, the word that he uses is actually metamorphosis. It's metamorphosis. It's an ongoing process of change. So my garden needs a long, ongoing process of change to turn into the grey, water-filled thing that it is now into something beautiful that, that they do on Ground Force. Manchester United need a, at least a season or two, to ch- a miracle perhaps, <laughs> to change where they currently are at into their former glory. And it was very, very glorious, i I give you that. And it's the same, isn't it, with the, the, the chrysalis and the butterfly, the signet into the swan. It takes time, it's a metamorphosis, it's a process of change. Paul uses the same word in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, when he says this. He says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. It's the same word, metamorphosis. And what he's saying there is the more we gaze at God, the more we gaze at Jesus, the more we gaze at the wonder of who he is, the more we become transformed. From ever decreasing glory into another, it's an amazing thing. We become like God the more that we gaze into him. Not a quick look that changes everything, but keep on gazing, keep on gazing, keep on gazing. It's a revolutionary change, but it does take time. So that's what a transformed mind looks like. It's a radical change. It's a completely different mindset to the one that you might be holding today with all the prejudices you've got in it, as we'll see in a minute. Transformed mind. The question that we've got to ask ourselves is, do we want to have a transformed mind? Do we want to gaze at God? and get transformed by him. Are we up for the journey, or, just, or do we just want to stay where we are? That's what a transformed mind looks like. Second then, what are we being transformed from? What are we being transformed from? I've alluded to it a little bit in those illustrations, but what are we being transformed from? In the, in the Bible verse that we're looking at, Paul says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of this world? And I'd like to put it to us that it's what I'm describing as a conveyor belt of conformity. The pattern of this world is a conveyor belt of conformity. I came across this poem, it goes like this. Drifting along, swept on by the tide, no way of escaping the compulsory ride. Hear someone calling, but you can't look around. Swept on by the current, as though you heard not a sound. Your set rule of conduct, your code to survive, Exist with your fellow clones, with them you can thrive. We're all on a conveyor belt of conformity. We're all going in one direction, walking the world's walk. The pattern of this world that Paul is warning us not to conform to. What's the pattern of this world? I've got three or four things. I think I could ask you this question, and if we did question and answer now, you'd come up with all of these, because I think they're obvious. The first is permissiveness. Permissiveness. We live in a world where anything goes, Anything goes. Just go with the flow and accept it all and go with it, man. That's what we do. And this is particularly borne out in the area of sexual temptation. Sexual temptation. So sleep around and it doesn't really matter. It won't do you any damage. It's the world's pattern. Free and easy, but secret access to pornography on the Internet. doesn't really do any damage. Go on, go ahead and do it. We have pop stars' videos getting more and more explicit and suggestive. So everybody wants to watch the latest Miley Cyrus video because of the last one. And some guys here, you'll, you'll have watched it, and you thought, I don't know if that did me any good or not. And when I see the image on Virgin Media, when I log in to get my email, and they show me the, the, the still of her, I find myself wanting to click on that button, and I have to guard against it and go a different way, because it's the world sucking me into its the world's pattern. And then we've got adverts and billboards. Even if you're advertising paint or carpets, there always seems to be a boob or a bottom somewhere. And you think, well, what's it got to do with paint? <laughs> Watch it. Bill likes that. He's going to get out of home base later. It's the pattern of this world, though, permissiveness. And you're odd if you don't go with the flow. Another one, cynicism. Man, we're cynics, particularly in British. Cynicism is a pattern of this world. And cynicism sucks the life out of you. Cynicism, I think, is like a, a secret little root. That eerily grows out of the ground without you looking, and, and entails itself around your ankles. So as soon as you want to move forward towards anything that's good, the roots grab you, and you start thinking, "Oh no, don't want to do that because that's bad, and this is dodgy, and all the rest of it." We're cynics. When anything ever good happens in our country, we start dissing it and bringing it down. Cynicism is a pattern of this world, and the next level of cynicism is negativity. It's just a no. I'm not doing that. Don't want to do that. Looks like that looks rubbish. I know that the, the youth culture, and I know I have a bit of it in my own home, the youth culture is, oh, that's rubbish, that is, <laughs> rather than, how wonderful this is. <laughs> that's, that's more a 40s thing, I don't know. <laughs> Negativism. Are you negative? Are you cynical? Do you know I, I can be cynical. I've, I've got the sort of mind that when we're presented with a, a new adventure for something, I immediately see challenges, it's just how I'm built. So I can see challenges on the journey straight away, and so I have to guard myself from going, ah, oh, yes, but, ah, oh, yes, but, ah, oh, yes, but, ah, oh, yes, but. Oh, yes, but rather than, that sounds really exciting. Let's have a look at where we're going before we start looking at the challenges that we need to overcome to get there. I can be cynical. I could be negative. I don't want to be. I live uh, with a wife and family who are very, very positive. I work with a team who are very, very positive as well. Don't get me wrong, I'm not the, you know, the, the drudge of Oasis <laughs> Church or my family, but I have to watch that in my own self. Negativity. And finally, the world's pattern that God is saying do not conform to jealousy. Jealousy. This is massive in our culture today, I think. We just hanker after fame and popularity and success. We want to be in the public eye. We want money. We want riches. We want to be, if you like, on Graham Norton's sofa hobnobbing with other of his guests. We'd like to be there. I want to be Graham Norton sometimes. I think I'd be a great game show host or, or, uh, or chat show host. It's a Well, you say amen, but I'm actually a church pastor, hopefully, and you're all very happy with that. Hello, as some people often say. I'm secure in my calling, ladies and gentlemen. My wife and daughter actually saw uh, Graeme Norton in Liberty in London during the Christmas holidays, and we had the fortune of wishing him a happy Christmas. And I wished I'd been there and said, can you give me a job, Graeme? <laughs> but uh, the moment's passed, so it must be pastor for life. But, we want, we want fame, we want fortune, we want riches... We hanker after it. If if not us in this room, because some of you are thinking, oh, that's not ringing my bell, the whole of society, that's the pattern of this world. That's why we've got X factor, and that's what we've got Britain's Got Talent and all the rest of it, because it's people wanting to gain something that they can't quite reach. And the sadness of the whole thing is that when some of these people get it, and we celebrate with them for a short while, we actually love it when it all f- comes piling down as well, because we think, well, you're not going to get it if I can't have it. It's jealousy. It's the pattern of this world. And Paul says, God says, not conform to it so that's some ideas for the pattern of this world. one that rings any bells with any of us here we carry some of those things in our life existing and the trouble is because we carry them it takes our eyes off God and more on the world and we don't want to do that so that's what we've been transformed from what are we being transformed to well the answer to this question is the other side of those things the other side of the pattern of this world And on the other side of the pattern of this world is something, someone, who is gloriously attractive. The some things are gloriously attractive, but more than that, the someone is gloriously attractive as well. So if we look at those four patterns again, permissiveness, for example. Permissiveness, sexual bombardment, temptation, all the things that the world says are great, sleep around, porn, Miley Cyrus videos, billboards advertising paint they all think they they, they all make it look as though that they're going to do us some good and give us a thrill and make life look great but actually behind it all we find stories of guilt deception rejection relational breakup low self-image slavery to addiction that's the untold story so the untold story is a whole load of dark and dangerous stuff and if you were to hold those up in a bowl of dark and dangerous And say, which do you fancy? Do you want some of this guilt? Do you want some of this rejection? Do you want some of this addiction? Or would you rather have freedom? Would you rather have friendship? Would you rather have peace? Would you rather have happiness? Everybody would go for that one. And yet everybody goes for this one. On the other side of the pattern of this world are some really lovely things, but it's just such a struggle to reach out and get them. Permissiveness. Cynicism. What's the opposite of cynicism? It's optimism. It's, all. Oh, this is good. I like this. It's glass half full rather than glass half empty. And if you are, offer somebody who even is a cynic optimism and hope and life for the future, if you offer it to them, say, yeah, I'll have some of that, please. I want that. I want to be an optimist. I just struggle with being a cynic. But I'd rather be an optimist. And yet we're caught in the pattern of this world with cynicism. Negativity is the same thing. Which would you rather be, a person of love and light or a person of dredge and darkness? If I was to go around today saying... We, we, darkness, dread, drudgery, disappointment. Would you like it? You say, no thanks, Gus. Give me some love and some light, please. Well, that's the other side of the pattern of this world. That's the other side. And jealousy, what's the other side of jealousy? The other side of jealousy is celebrating people's successes and being happy with your lot, whatever it is. So these are some attractive characteristics of the other side of the pattern of life, and transformation needs to take place. We need to transform our thinking from one area, which is the draw of the world, into God's understanding of it, which is the the draw to all these characteristics of love and light and peace and optimism and happiness and celebration. Can you see there's a need for a transformation? How does the transformation take place? Well, this is where Jesus comes to town. Jesus comes to town, because this isn't just a self-help program, or we need to not be jealous, we need to not be permissive, we need to not be negative and cynical, We need to catch hold of someone who wasn't any of those things, who demonstrated what it's like to lead life and life to the full. And when Jesus came and lived on planet Earth, what did he do? He said, I come to bring life and life to the full. And then he demonstrated what life and life to the full looked like by saying the kingdom of God is near. And so he proclaimed the kingdom of God doing some amazing things, accepting people, loving people, forgiving people, doing wonderful miracles, healing people. And all of a sudden, the wave of culture in the day that he lived suddenly started turning to Jesus thinking, pattern of this world looks rubbish, pattern of life with Jesus looks absolutely amazing. Give me more, show me more, tell me more. I want more, more healing, more forgiveness, more acceptance, more, uh, more, more understanding of the world that I'm in, whether it's prostitutes or tax collectors. You just love me, Jesus. This is great. I don't have to conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I can get swept up in Jesus' pattern. And it was hugely attractive to people, which is why crowds and crowds of people used to go and follow him. So what are we being transformed from? The pattern of this world. What are we being transformed to? All these wonderful attributes, but we've been transformed to them by looking in on Jesus. Not just self-help or self-improvement, but can we catch our gaze? Can we get centered on Jesus so that we've been changed from one degree of glory into another? What are we being transformed to? So, how do we do it? How do we do it then? If that's something of the motivation, how can we actually do this? Do we need to go to Bedford, to the King's Arms, to the course that ebba has been on to change our way of thinking? Or can we also do some of that here in our own lives along the way? And the answer is, of course we can. We can do some of it ourselves along the way. I'm not saying it's a wrong thing to go on these courses because actually it's an amazing thing for many people that have done that course and we really support it. How can we do it? How can we transform our mind? Well, the first thing to say, remember, is it's a process of change. It's not an instant thing. It's not an instant thing. But we do need to start from somewhere. And the start point comes with accepting Jesus for who he is. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to start with saying, actually... When I see Jesus and I see a wonderful life and all these wonderful things, that looks really, really attractive. And I'm going to stop going my way and start going Jesus' way. That's the start of a transformation. Away from the pattern of this world to God's pattern. That's the start of it. And when that process starts, it says in the Bible that if anyone is in Christ, i.e. begins to follow Jesus from a place of not following Jesus, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So I'm going down, world's pattern of life, conforming to the world. I catch a look in Jesus. I think, man, that's attractive. And I start going completely the other way. And in that instant when I decide to follow him, I become a new creation in Christ. Now, you may say if you're clever, and I know many of you are, well, if I'm a new creation in Christ, don't I get a new brain at that point as well? Do I get a new body? What does a new creation mean? Well, it may not have escaped your attention, For those of us that are Christians here today, when you made that decision to follow Jesus for the first time, you didn't get a new body at that instant. You still had the same eyes, you still had the same nose, you still had the same arms, you still had the same legs, you still had the same hair. You may have wanted a makeover, but you didn't get it actually at that point in time. You still had the same body. You still also had the same mind. Your brain was your brain, whether it was a simple brain or an intelligent brain like mine. Thank you. It was the same body, it's the same brain. What is new about the new creation? I'll tell you what it is. At that instant, it's the Holy Spirit coming into us. The Spirit of God suddenly comes into us, and our eyes are opened for the first time in life. We are awakened from the dead. So all of a sudden, we're not looking down the binoculars of the pattern of this world, but we're looking down the binoculars of God's perspective on this world. We have the ability for the first time to see things as God sees them. That's exciting. It's as if he's lifting the veil from our view. And all of a sudden, we can see things that we've never seen before. When I do Alpha, I describe this as putting an external TV aerial into an old portable TV that before that time had just a little wire loopy thing and had a really rubbish picture. So you're watching the TV, and it's all snowy and rubbish. And you think, why am I watching this TV? I don't really know. It seems quite good, but I can't really tell. What I really need is an external aerial. And when you plug the external aerial in, oh, ping, all of a sudden, you can actually see the picture. And you can decide whether what you're watching is any good or not. And if you don't like what you're watching, you can switch over to a different channel that does you good rather than a dodgy one that doesn't, because it's got Miley Cyrus on it. <laughs> That's what it means. You get a new mind, a new, way, a new spirit. Sorry. A new spirit that gives you the potential of thinking and acting differently. The potential of. It's there because suddenly you can see it. And it's really exciting. God, as I say, lifting the veil. So that happens when you accept Jesus and you say, I am following him. Off we go. How then do we carry on having our minds transformed? Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. I wanted to put it to us that all we do is exactly the same thing in life as we did when we first accept Jesus and follow Him. And what's that? It's very simple. I'm going to use uh, the phrase that we keep using in Oasis Church to help us, and it's simply this pause, centre, and continue. Pause, centre, and continue. When you decide for the first time that you're going to follow Jesus with your heart, mind, and body, and soul, and strength, and all the rest of it, what do you do? You pause. You suddenly pause in life, you think, hang on a minute. Where on earth have I got to in life? You recognize that potentially your life's a mess. You recognize that the world's a mess. You recognize that that label of wretch is valid on your life at that point in time. You pause. You suddenly get it. You think, I can't believe this. It happened in the Bible when Peter saw Jesus for who he was. What did he say? He said, go away from me, Jesus. I'm a sinful man. He paused and suddenly got who Jesus was, and he realized what a poor place he was in. So you pause, and you recognize where you're at. But then you centre on the one that you're looking at, which is Jesus. And you suddenly realise that God loves you more than you can ever know at that moment. God loves you for all your, your warts and all, for all your frailties, all, all the difficult things you're challenged you challenge with. God loves you. And then you respond saying, Lord, I know that you love me. Forgive me for the wretch that I am, but accept me as I am, and I'm going to repent of my way of living and go your way. A turning away from the world's ways to God's ways. That's centering. So you've paused, caught a sense of where you're at, you've centred on Jesus, he loves me, he accepts me, his way's a great way, I ask for forgiveness and decide to go his way, make him Lord of my life. And then you continue on a different track, not on the track of the world that you were on, but now on God's track. That's what happens when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, and that's what happens that triggers the moment of being a new creation in Christ. So if you're a new creation in Christ, all you need to do is carry on doing that, pausing, centering and continuing. Pausing, centering, and continuing. So how does that work out in real life? Here's an example to help us. We're on the internet, and we're on Facebook. Some of us are on Facebook, others aren't. If you're not on Facebook, I'd encourage you, don't bother. (laughs) No, no. I know those of you love it, and that's fine. So you're on Facebook, I'm being current here. You're on Facebook, and you're in the news feed in your Facebook page. And in the newsfeed on your Facebook page, you've suddenly spotted someone putting something up there. They put a post up there that has a little video clip on it with a little play button on there. And it's from one of your friends that isn't really your friend, but it's just somebody that you've accepted as a friend at some distant time in the past, and you've never unfriended them. Sometimes you wonder why I kept them as your friend, because they keep putting this dodgy stuff on, but they're just there, and you're just not brave enough to get rid of friends. So here comes the post. And on the post, there's just a little bit more flesh on it, than perhaps there should be. Now, I know Facebook has got its own rules and regulations about wholly inappropriate material, but here's a little still in your newsfeed with a little play on it that's got something, a little bit of arm or a little bit of leg or a little bit of bottom or a little bit of something else. And you think, you think, I'm intrigued at this moment. The pattern of this world is sucking you in to want to click on that play button. And we are faced with one of the the latest generation's greatest dilemmas, which is to click or not to click. Your finger is wavering on the mouse button. Shall I click? Shan't I click? <coughs> Shall I? Shan't I? And we get, you know, you get repetitive strain injury in your finger. Because you think you don't know what to do. And the battle's beginning to go on in your mind. Shall I do it? Shan't I do it? Want to see what's there? But actually, will it do me any good? Will it really matter? No, I don't know whether it will or not. Will I feel good after it? Won't I feel good after it? Will anybody find out? Nobody will find out. This sort of thing's going as you waver on the mouse button. Click or not click. How can we counter that moment? How can we embrace a transformation of the mind at that moment, accepting that we're already new creations in Christ? The first is, as I've said, because we're new creations in Christ, we have the ability to see things through God's eyes, not just the world's eyes. We have a view on the world, which we know is God's view on the world. So we can be honest we can pause for a moment and say hang on this is a pause moment i'm pausing keep your finger in the air off the mouse button i'm pausing and i'm recognizing in that moment how i'm feeling right now which is i need jesus i know it's trivial but i need jesus at this moment i don't want to click this button but i need jesus you're pausing and then what you're going to do you're centering you're centering on jesus and you're saying I want, to put, I want to click through on this button, but actually, I don't want to click through on it. I need your help right now to help me with my intrigue. I don't want the intrigue to be there. Jesus, take the intrigue away. In fact, forgive me that I even want to click through and find something that I don't really want to find. Be honest with Jesus. Be honest with God in your prayer right at that moment. Say to Him, forgive me for the fact that I want to click and I don't want to click. The next thing you do is you respond by not clicking. Don't click the button. I know it's an obvious thing to say, but it's true. Don't click the button. But as you do that, and here's the hardest thing, try and bring to mind any verse in the Bible you can think of that will help you in that moment. And the big difference that I've found in watching Eva in her transformation process over the last few months is that she refuses to accept the world's view on things anymore and brings the word of God and God's view into things. It's no good having a transformation of your mind where you just don't do anything about it. You don't affect the transformation. You've got to do something about it. You've got to put things into you. So you've got to know things that you can use as a weapon against these moments of temptation. So for me, for example, one of the verses I often use to counter moments like these is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to read it. It says this, chapter 1. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children... And live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here it is, verse 3. But amongst you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. And I think if if that verse is written in the Bible and God wants my mind to be renewed, and I'm facing a moment where I can click through into something dodgy or not click through into something dodgy, what does God say about it? God says about it from a renewed mind point of view. He says, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality in you. A hint. What is a hint? It's the slightest indication whatsoever that sexual immorality is in your world. And God is saying, I don't want that to be the case. So what you can do is you can bring to mind a verse from the Bible that you can quote over Facebook at that point and say, I'm not going to be a person that has even a hint of sexual immorality in my world and therefore I'm not going to click the button, therefore I'm going to unfriend that person for the first time in my life for the last 15 years and actually I'm going to log out of Facebook as well. Can you see how that transformation process is a mixture of us pausing, centering on Jesus and then running, completely continuing in life the opposite direction from whence we came. Hopefully it's a practical example that next time you're there will come to mind. So where have we got to? What does a transformed mind look like? Radically different from the minds that we have at the moment. What are we transformed from? The world's pattern. Permissiveness. Cynicism. Negativity. Jealousy. What are we being transformed to? Light. Light. And love and life and acceptance and optimism, all good characteristics, but it's focused on Jesus because he's the one that brings it all. Not just a self-help program, a set of tools that we use, but Jesus is our motivation because his life is the one that's mostly attractive and brings life and life to the full. How can we do it? By pausing, centering, and continuing. And in that pause, centre, and continue moment, the one thing that's perhaps the most difficult for us to do is to use the Bible, the Word of God, as a weapon against where we've got to and in order for us to use the bible as a weapon in our lives so that we can get truth into us have our minds transformed by what god says not by what the world says we've got to get it in us we've got to get the word of god in us otherwise we're stuck otherwise when we hit temptation and difficulty all we're going to do is fall to it because we've got nothing to counter it So the encouragement I bring this morning, and as I say, we'll look at it when we look at what it means to have some time of devotion with God in two weeks' time, is to say, let's embrace the Word of God. Let's embrace the Word of God, the Word of God which changes our lives. Because if we know the Word of God and can apply the Word of God and use the Word of God against these moments, then we'll find that our minds are transformed and we start more and more going down God's pattern of life, not the world's. If we don't know the Word of God, we're stuck. Sounds like legalism a little bit. It sounds like, do this, do this, do this, do this, and we'll be all right. But it all comes from the heart. It's, a, it's our heart to want to do it, because the more that we centre on Jesus, and we'll see how wonderful he is, and the more we'll be passionate about getting the word into our life in order to change the way that we think. It's the word of God. As I say, we'll look at it in two weeks' time. So for, t- for this morning, I just want to ask ourselves, where are you at? Where are you at with this? Where would you say, if you were honest? If you were chatting with God right now, and I'm going to get an opportunity to do that in a minute, where would you say you are in terms of your thinking? Where would you say in terms of your life experience? Are you someone who is permissive? Are you someone who is being attracted to the way that the world says you should live? In terms of internet porn? In terms of sleeping around? In terms of Miley Cyrus video? In terms of adverts that advertise paint? Are you someone that does that rather than someone that does that? David in the Bible, when he ended up committing adultery with Bathsheba, took a second look. It's all right to catch something in normal life, because that's going to happen. But it's if you look again. David looked again, and it caused him tremendous trouble. Don't look again. Are you someone who looks again? Are you someone who's drawn by permissiveness? Are you a cynic? Are you just a cynical, negative person that if someone came up to you and said, I don't see anything in your life that demonstrates that Jesus is the light of your life, you're a Christian, you think, oh, well, I don't really care, because that's what cynics do. Are you like that? Or are you radically different? Are you jealous for fame and fortune and money and success? Is that the driver that's in your life? Because if it is, Jesus is saying this morning, look, there's a whole lot better on the other side of all those, all those things. There's light, there's love, there's laughter, there's hope, there's comfort in your own identity. There's a life filled with Jesus. Surely it's a better thing to follow Jesus than to follow the world's pattern. And the way that we're going to do it is by pausing, stopping ourselves from the conveyor belt of conformity, just going on the world's pattern, world's pattern, world's pattern, world's pattern, world's pattern, getting off it and going the other way down a different track where Jesus is the Lord and Saviour of our lives. Is that what we want? Yep. Why don't we stand and I'll pray. just going to take a moment i'm not going to say too much i just want you you might want to shut your eyes if you're comfortable to do that i'm going to ask for a response in a minute there's an opportunity this morning for us to pray with you we really want to pray with people to encourage people where they're at just be honest i don't mind this is not between me and you this is between you and god be honest with yourselves where are you at in terms of the pattern of this world versus an understanding of who Jesus is and wholeheartedly wanting to go his way, not yours. Be honest. Be honest about some of those things that I've been talking about in that message. When I've mentioned certain things, if you thought, get off that subject, I don't want you to stay there because it's uncomfortable. If that's true for you, that's God putting his finger on you. Be honest and just say, God, I want to go your way, not my way. I want a renewed mind. I want to be transformed. I want fear in my life. I want peace in my life. Don't want cynicism. I want to be joy-filled. Secure about the future. hopeful. Be honest. Just take a moment. Where are you at? And then I'm just going to give you an opportunity to respond. This is for you to respond to God and say, God, I am being honest. And being honest, I need you right now to change something in me. To change something in me. And if you stick your hand up in a moment, we'd love to pray with you. Now I, I understand that doing things like this sometimes it feels a bit exposing because you think people look over their shoulder and think, Oh right, something on in there, something's going on in their life, what's going on there? None of anybody else's business. This is between you and God and how much Jesus loves you and just wants to draw you to himself. So if that's you, if you know there's something in your life that needs to change today and you'd love someone to stand with you in prayer, and I'm not going to name specific things, it's just the Holy Spirit speaking to you in your life. I, after three, I just ask you to raise your hand. And then once I've raised your hand, I'm going to pray, close the meeting, and then I'd love you to come forward. So it's in the crowd, you can just come forward and we'll start praying for people. So if that's you, after three, one, two, three, stick your hand up. Thank you. Number of hands up. Okay. You can stick your hands down again now so you don't have to leave. I'm going to pray and then at the end I'd love you to come forward. God, I thank you again that when we centre on you we realise how much we're loved by you. We love because you first loved us. Thank you that there's freedom in you, Lord God. There's no condemnation in you. There's no guilt in you. That you accept us and love us where we're at. I thank you, God, that when you save us you make us a new creation to help us see things like you see them. And God, I thank you that you journey with us to a place of transformation from fear to faith in you, Lord God. And I pray, Father, for these people that have raised their hands this morning, particularly for those, Lord, that as we pray with them today, you would radically change their life, Lord. From, if you like, a wild and barren garden into a beautiful arena. From an ugly chrysalis into a beautiful butterfly. That you come and do that today. That people's lives would change today radically, and they'd know a touch of your spirit in that happening. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Please do engage your children uh, if you have them. Um, if you want to come forward for prayer, please do so. Love to pray with you, people with badges on at the front. Very happy to pray. Be quick to come forward. I would say, if you did raise your hand, that's the best way of responding.